The second lesson comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today we continue to look at the epistle to the Philippians while also turning our mind to the solas of the Reformation. And if I could just note that they are now spreading across and the one in the back is Solus Christus. So be sure to see that on your way out today. You can see that it is right there hanging from the balcony um, and it will provide the balance that we need in our sanctuary, both uh, metaphorically and in actuality. Um, so there, Solus Christus is set, sitting at the center of who we are. Today, we have been looking at themes of faith throughout our service. So you'll see that our hymns and our texts that we read um, and the prayers that we had uh, throughout our liturgy have to do with themes of faith that have emerged throughout scripture. And now a look to Philippians 2. Uh, the first church that was built, that means the first brick and mortar that we know about, that came in the city of Philippi was not actually built until the year 343. And even that, from what we know of, from the, archaeology, the archaeological digs that have been done in that area of Philippi, even that first building was a very small building, and it was thought of probably to be a prayer chapel or a house of prayer. And I mention this to us today because this means that for 300 years, or what could have been five to six generations of, of people in the ancient world, the community of faith lived without a church. At least without a building, in the way that we think about it. We know, in addition to this, 
that the community of Philippi was actually a very strong community of faith. Not only because the letter that Paul had sent them and the fact that Paul is actually quite close with this church and this church is clearly one of Paul's most beloved. This is a letter sent between friends. Not So not only because of this letter, but also because later in church history, 150 years later in the year 160, this church is still going strong. In fact, it's grown. And so we have record of this because Polycarp, who was one of the early church theologians and historians and recorders of church history, wrote a letter to this very community at Philippi that demonstrated that their faith was still in existence, that they were a community that was still growing strong and living and breathing and nourishing well within the um, city of Philippi. And still, even knowing this, we don't have a building for this community, one that we can speak of until the year 343. This is worth noting that the first iterations of being Christian, that the first demonstrations of Christian community, the first communities that were founded around the gospel of Jesus Christ were living, breathing communities that did not necessarily practice worship in the way that we know it. That they started in different ways. And that they did different things. And so the question that I raise for us today when we look at this community is, if they didn't leave us a building from their first 300 years, what did they leave us? What did they leave us for us today? It doesn't seem like there was brick and mortar, at least not that we can tell, But a closer look at this community reveals that what they spent building in those first 300 years could not be contained in a building anyway. What they spent building in those first 300 years is a community that transcended the boundaries of culture, a community that would equip people to resist, sometimes quietly and sometimes not so quietly, the scope of empire worship that was found in the Roman world. In fact, the very writer of the letter to the Philippians in the year 160, Polycarp, was, was killed because he refused to practice what was called incense worship to the emperor. So... There was, in the early church, a community that somehow quietly supported folks who needed a way to speak out against what they saw to be in violation of their faith. What they spent building in the first 300 years was that they built the fabric of a solid faith community. And it didn't live in a building, it turned out. Not until later down the road, but it lived in the people. It lived in the people. And all of this to note that when Paul is writing this letter to his people at Philippi, he is not writing a letter to them 
about how to order a worship service or how to govern a session. He's not offering to them a prescription of how to do faith. He is instead offering them a vision. Given the person of Jesus Christ, Paul says, and remember, that's where he starts in Philippians 2, given the person of Jesus Christ and given everything that you know about that person and everything that you continue to learn about that person, given everything that we have said about him and everything that we have attested to him and everything that you have experienced about Jesus in your own life, given all of those things, how then will you citizen yourself around the gospel? That's the question and the vision that Paul wants this community to be able to have, not just on the outside, but on the inside. So right after Paul offers them this grand Christological view of the world, and if you back up just a few verses in Philippians, you can see it broken out in this wide scope. He says, in light of these things, and these things are the solus Christus, looking right to the back, in light of these things, he says, now even more in my absence, he says, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. And in Greek, the word placement of this text, of this verse, is just exquisite because how it lands is something like this. Fear and trembling, those are the nouns, fear and trembling, and then your own salvation, the salvation that belongs to you, work it out. That's the last word that's in that sentence. But it's in a tense that both is imperative and passive all at the same time. And so what Paul is saying is work it out and let it be worked out within you. It's the perfect combination. What it means is that it isn't just either or. It's not that you have no participation in your own salvation, nor is it that the whole story falls on your shoulders. Instead, there is something imperative about your agency, something that you must do. The word is structured in the imperative voice. There is a part to play. There is a partnership with human beings here that God has issued out of the reality of Jesus Christ, but it is also passive. It is something that happens through you and in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So whether you are a Calvinist at heart or whether you are an Anabaptist at heart or whether you don't know what either of those terms mean and you couldn't be bothered, the reality is is that in the light of the person of Jesus Christ, there is work to be done in the world. And what is that work? Well, Paul sets the vision out for us quite clearly And it's about the community at work in the world. Real, nourishing, life-giving community. A community that you would want your children to be a part of. If you read some of the descriptors of this community, it's the kind of community that you want your friends to join in on. Don't complain. 
Don't complain. Don't murmur. Murmur. Murmur is that word for what's spoken on the outside of a circle, that sort of murmuring that shows that it's not paying attention to what's going on in the center. Aim for purity in all things, Paul says. These things shine in a crooked and perverse generation. And the word perverse here just means that which is inside out. So if you can imagine the shape of what the world is supposed to look like, perverse means that it's actually inside out from that shape. In other words, in a world where everything is turned upside down from how it is supposed to be, offer a respite of peace. Offer a vision of hope. Offer a work of kindness and purity. This is the kind of community that Paul is hoping to build in Philippi. And this is the kind of community that will continue because a phrase from the letter that was written in the year 160 contains this phrase, hate no one. Hate no one, that's the word of Polycarp in 160. And then Paul adds this amazing sentence. He says, when you do these things, or he doesn't say that, but what he's suggesting is when you do these things, that you will shine like stars in the cosmos. That you will shine like the source of light. Phos is that word in Greek. That you will shine like the source of light in the cosmos. That's the goal, Paul says. Light. Light. Nothing will get far without light. You can have seeds. You can have dirt. You can have water. You can have buildings. You can have structure. But if you are in the dark, nothing will grow. Light is what brings growth. And Paul's admonition to his community is to be the light. Be the light. On August 17th of this year, scientists discovered a new chapter in the life of astrophysics. There was the collision of two neutron stars. And they sent gravitational waves into the cosmos that were detected eventually by our equipment here on Earth. And scientists got to work right away and found out what happened, that they had in fact witnessed an incredible event Neutron stars, it turns out, are the most dense kind of star that there is. One teaspoon of a neutron star is as heavy as the sun. So we can imagine, or actually it's almost impossible to imagine, just how much light and how much energy is is included in one of these stars. And when two of them collided, it was literally an event of epic proportion. Not only did this event send out gravitational waves into the space-time continuum, but also in the collision there was the release of gold, of platinum, and of other heavy metals. They were birthed out of the collision, and then they began to fill up the universe around them. And within a day, these precious metals 
had made a cloud as big as our solar system. Now, I am not a scientist. And all of this seems like cosmological story time to me. But the thing is, is that it's true. Light does things. It makes waves. It births gold and platinum. It sends gravitational waves into the space-time continuum. It fills up an entire solar system with precious metal. Did Paul know that? No, of course not. It doesn't matter. It's true. He knew enough to say that when you live as a light in the community, you will shine like stars in the cosmos. And that does things. It does things. Friends, just think of the impact of these stars. These two neutron stars filling up the solar system with not nothing, but actually measurable elements that are actually quite large and things that we cannot reproduce in any other way but by light. Each of us is invited to do the same. This is an opportunity not to be missed out on, to be captured by this vision that the Philippians were captured by as well, to be a real, breathing, nourishing community that will shine like light in the cosmos. Shine. Work out your salvation and let it be accomplished in you. Let us pray. Gracious God, we stand in awe of the reality of the mystery of this universe and yet how all of these things bear witness to who you are. We pray that as we listen to the words from this letter written so long ago that we would also find hold of this vision that the Philippians had to live out as your community here in the world. They did it in the world as they knew it. We want to do it in the world in which we know it. We ask that you would give us the power by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand. Thank <laughs> you.